when you're investing in banks in times like this, you don't want to just buy the cheap banks. You want to buy the banks that have good underwriting and lots of capital. Because when you have lots of capital, that attracts deposits, that attracts business away from the competition. You can grow. The banks can underwrite to tighter credit standards than they do during economic booms because they can be picky. And you have a green light from the regulators to do all those things, plus take problem banks off their hands at very favorable pricing. On this episode of Early Bird, Dory Wiley, CEO and president of Commerce Street Holdings. Dory joins the podcast today to talk about how to invest in bank stocks in today's environment, including a look at why several regional banks have collapsed in 2023. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you where you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Dory, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to talk about how to invest in bank stocks in today's environment. But before we do that, Dory... In about 30 seconds or less, uh, what should the audience know about you and your background? Well, I'm the president and CEO of the uh, largest independent investment bank in Texas, Commerce Street. Uh, we're based in Dallas, uh, and uh, we, we do you know, M&A, capital raising. Uh, we also have invested uh, over the years over a billion dollars in bank stocks, uh, and uh, we deal with banks and Many, many different facets uh, as far as on their loan side, their interest rate risk, uh, uh, community reinvestment act, all kinds of things. Uh, but we're, we're a, an investment bank that focuses a lot on the banking industry, one of the top five in the country. Great. And that, that's the topic we're talking about today. Bank stocks, they're everywhere in the news. Our audience of retail uh, traders, investors keep talking about them as well. Um bank stocks in a nutshell haven't been such a good year for bank stocks in 2023 right that's correct they've taken a hit they're down about 35 percent year to date uh they've been a fear trade ever since 2008 no matter what the fear is the fear could be financial services related or it could be about uh china or the end of the world it doesn't matter if there's fear the bank stocks go down and if there's uh uh, you know, positive vibes, they'll go up. But it's it's pretty interesting. They've been a very consistent fear trade since 2008. Mm, since the recession of, of 08, you're right. It, it, that seems to be the way uh, that bank stocks are, have been performing during that time. Um, you know, this year we've seen a lot of regional banks collapse. What What's going on with some of the, the mid-tier sort of regional banks? 
You know, there's three issues kind of going on with those banks. The first started over in Silvergate in uh, California. Now, we have been the largest shareholder in that bank at one point in time, but they started to get into crypto deposits. And when that got over 15% of their deposit base, we decided to sell out in 2008. We did very well. We made about 3x. And then Kathy Wood of Art discovered them. And and I thought I was the dumbest person on the planet because the stock went up and I would have made about 30x if I could have timed it. But now that it's gone to zero, I don't feel so bad. Uh, but the crypto deposits also crept into uh, another bank called uh, Signature Bank in New York and a few others that have been doing it. And the next bank that fell after Silvergate was uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh-huh. And the three areas that it was concentrated in were technology, uh, venture capital business, and uh, they they were buying long dated securities with short term you know bonds or you know short term deposits, and and it didn't work out well, and which is too bad because it's a lesson that we learned in Texas in the 80s. You don't concentrate in one or two industries like real estate and oil and gas, or in their case, you know technology and and venture, and you also don't buy long dated securities fund them with short-term deposits, which is what the savings and loans did in the 80s. Mm-hmm. These are not new lessons, and they should have been picked up on. Um, uh, we got very concerned about that bank over about a year and a half ago, especially as its holding company capital levels drifted down to uh, 5%. And I want your people to realize this, that, that the banking is the most transparent industry out there. And so it is pretty easy to analyze if you can learn how to look at the balance sheet. One of the things you want to look at is the holding company tangible capital percentage. And it drifted down to about 5%, just as Silvergate's had, and just as um, uh, Signature Bank did. And I went to Signature Bank, told them they need to raise capital last summer, and they didn't want to, they didn't want to get diluted. So I, I think they'd probably do a re- do-over on that. But uh, they should have learned their lesson. Uh, management was asleep at the wheel. Regulators were asleep at the wheel. They were focused on woke issues instead of capital and credit quality and interest. I, I don't risk. think that was the reason why it collapsed, but go on. Well, it, 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 it's part of the reason. It's okay to focus on woke issues. That, that's that's not that. the reason it collapsed. That's not had that nothing to do with it. That, that That's already been but listen, But listen, but listen, you can't focus on that to the exclusion of interest rate risk and credit risk. Dory, do, do you think there'll you can't be other focus on that? Do, do you think that's there'll the be... problem? They were not they were not focused on the capital and the credit risk and the interest rate risk. Uh, that that's not true. And so when Dor- that bank had a run on deposits because of the concentration in its industry, all those other things come before. They're stuck in long dated securities, and they didn't have enough capital to withstand it. Uh, and it should have been predictable. Dor- and they and the regulators missed it. I, I don't think that was now where do you think where do you think I'm wrong? That it was not the woke issues that Silicon Valley Bank had. They had a lot of capital issues. Well, I don't think bank. you're listening to me. The regulators I've got bankers telling me all across the country telling me that regulators are not focusing on interest rate risk, capital, and credit. Those are the main that's why banks fail. You and I are in agreement. Okay? They fail because of credit issues, capital, and interest rate risk. 
What I'm saying is it could be woke. It could be focusing on how the sun comes up. They're not focusing on the right thing. All right. But in that particular bank, I do know that they were very much focused uh, on woke issues and they were very good at it. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not knocking that. What I'm knocking is they're not focused on capital, credit, and interest rate risk. That's why banks fail. We'll have to agree to disagree well, I think on that. You and I are in agreement. I'm not <laughs> saying that woke failed the bank. You're not listening to me. Yeah. I'm saying interest rate risk and uh, capital is why that bank failed. Do, do you expect other banks uh, to, to fail this year in 2023, or do you think that's it? Uh, no, it's not over. And the reason why is we have a leadership problem in D.C. Uh, they need to step up to the mic and say, hey, your deposits are fine. The FDIC covers deposits. And when a bank fails, we'll move your deposits to another bank. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done that yet and haven't figured that out. If you look back to 2009, we had the same problem. A rogue FDIC regulator got in the Wall Street Journal and said, you know, we may or may not cover insured deposits. Big mistake. $17 billion runs out of Washington Mutual. The bank fails in 10 days. Now, it happens much sooner now. As you know, Silicon Valley Bank had $42 billion run out mm-hmm. in 15 hours, and they had another $100 billion teed up to move out before they locked it down. Yeah. It happens really fast. So confidence in the banking system is very important. And we can all go around the room and say, hey, how much confidence do you have in the gov- federal government? Not many hands are going to go up. Okay. So it's a fragile thing. And if we don't have the government come up and say, hey, your deposits are safe. Quit worrying about it. We're going to cover them and you're going to move them around to uh, other banks if a bank fails. You know, we have moral hazard in investing. We have moral hazard in uh, the management, maybe the board, but not in deposits. If they don't do that and people get scared again, it causes bank runs. And if it gets real bad, you have 1929 all over again. And nobody wants that, of course. Um, No one wants that. (laughs) Well said. When we return, we'll hear from Dory about why he still likes to invest in banks and some of his top bank stock picks for 2023. But first, let me tell you or you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, uh, Dory, today we're talking about uh, the state of bank stocks, and we talked a lot about the collapses that we've seen this year, uh, particularly among some of those regional banks. You know, you started off the show talking about how the bank sector has been sensitive to fears in the market. Um, I want to focus on some of the pros. Given all the issues and challenges in the banking industry, why do you still like the banking industry as a place for investment? Yeah, I wouldn't say I would dive head in, but it's a great time to wade in. First of all, 
let's look at the shape of the industry and then we'll look at the valuations. Okay. So the sh- real quickly on the shape of the industry, if we use uh, 2009, 2008 uh, time period as a comparison, the bank credit underwriting is much stronger. The credit's much better and the capital levels at the bank are much higher. Okay. So uh, I do think the system is, should be much more sound than it was 2008, 2009. My only caveat in on this is the deposit run risk, hmm. right? We've never seen it go out that fast. And so we've got to get that fixed. Assuming we get that fixed, then, then those other things look really good. And then now that leads us to the valuation side. The valuations today are lower than they were in 2000 COVID. They were lower than they were in the 70s. They were lower than they were in the 80s. They were lower than they were in the Great Recession 2008-2009 by a lot. There are some really good quality banks in there at very low values, maybe 50 to 70% of tangible book value, trading anywhere from four to seven times earnings, and they have a lot of capital. I'm thinking of one capital. I'll give you an example if you want. Sure. Uh, one bank I like up in Boston is named Provident Bancorp. A uh, little over a billion dollars. Small banks or retail people can buy it. Institutions really can't get in a whole lot. Uh, a full disclosure, I'm a shareholder. I've made really good money with these guys before. Uh, they had uh, a president kind of get into some technology lending and stuff and got in some trouble and they cleaned all that up. That was all taken care of back in 2022, which kind of worked out good for them. But they still sort of had this reputation or hangover that maybe they were exposed to it, which they're not. And so their stock sold off and it's thinly traded. And I think you can get it now, 70% of tangible book value. How much capital does this bank have? It has 12.7% tangible capital. That's over two times what Jamie Dimon has at J.P. Morgan. Wow. That, that's certainly valuable. You know, very valuable. So you best buy that thing and just wait for it, and it'll come up, and that bank will be worth at a minimum, you know, uh, uh, tangible book value. Some of his fear subsides. But he's going to grow that bank, and then and one of these days, you know, in three, four, or five years, he'll sell that bank, and then and he'll sell it for two bucks plus the growth rate. you got a chance to get you know, three or four X on a nice, conservative, low-risk investment. When you're investing in banks in times like this, you don't want to just buy the cheap banks. You want to buy the banks that have good underwriting and lots of capital. Because when you have lots of capital, that attracts deposits, that attracts business, away from the competition. You can grow. The banks can underwrite to tighter credit standards than they do during economic booms because they can be picky. And... You have a green light from the regulators to do all those things, plus take problem banks off their hands at very favorable pricing. Mm. It sounds like a good mix. Um, definitely seems like an interesting bank stock out there. Well, what other bank stocks, uh, Dory, do you tend to favor right now? Um, oh, let's kind of stay up around the East Coast for a minute. There's uh, several more. Uh, Connect One and a fiduciary is, is in New Jersey and does business in New York. They'll pick up signature business. Uh, they have over 9% tangible capital. By comparison, J.P. Morgan has 6%. Uh, there's another fiduciary bank, which are te- typically more valuable uh, than other banks. Uh, because of the type of business they do with asset management and whatnot, called PPAC 
Gladstone in New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, another bank that's trading at a discount to tangible book value and has over 9% capital. Uh, moving over to Texas, where our economy is just super strong right now, uh, there's a bank called Third Coast Bank uh, based in Houston and in Dallas. I'm a big owner of that, of that stock. Uh, and uh, I think it trades at 70% of tangible book value right now and growing and doing very well. Um, Comerica uh, has probably needs CMA. That's a, that's a really big, probably the best middle market lending bank in the country. And uh, that's traded off the cheapest I've ever seen it. Oh, wow. It, I think it's about, five, my memory, maybe five times forward earnings. And it's asset sensitive, so its margins expand as rates move up. Nice. Um, so I think that's a bank, independent bank of McKinney, ID, no, IBTX, uh, here in Texas, is also a wonderfully run bank it's the cheapest as it's ever been since it's, it's gone public so those are those are just a few names mm-hmm. uh, uh the industry you could probably throw a dart at some of them but some of the banks are still too expensive yeah. uh so I, I like the ones that were getting cheap and, and have a lot of capital yeah it, it seems like on that list uh, and correct me if i'm wrong it seems like you prefer for the most part these smaller regional banks as opposed to some of the big banks uh in the market is does that sound fair um, you know, not necessarily. I think Huntington looks good, uh, but it's, you know, it's trading at 1.4 times tangible book, mm. you know, so, uh, and it, it'll, it'll go up in value. It's, that's a, that's a pretty good low valuation for them, but it's a great, you know, regional bank, but at the same time, it's just not as cheap as some of these others. So I guess you're right. I probably have a little more bias to some of these smaller banks that are not followed by the street as well. No, no, it's good. It's good to hear your your expertise expertise on these issue on this issue. Um, what advice, um, Dory, would you have to retail traders out there who are looking at um, the stock market right now? They're looking at banking stocks and and they're worried because all they see in the news is bank collapse after bank collapse. Uh, well, what should you say to them? What advice would you give them as far as making investments in bank stocks? You know, unless you're an expert in banking, it's kind of tough. So the easy, my easy, look for banks and, and public information and ask for that tangible capital ratio, not at the bank level, but at the holding company level. There's leverage at the holding company. You need capital there. And the holding company is a source of strength for a bank. And it gets it from the capital it has and its ability to raise. So look for a minimum of close to 7 or 8% for sure, the higher the better, uh, the better deal. And so, and then if that bank is trading below tangible book value and doesn't have problem loans, you've got a really good prospect to invest in. Good to know. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, so how do you think bank stocks will perform the rest of the year? Um, and does your prediction sort of change if there's a recession? <laughs> You know, um, if, if we, let's assume things get worse. Okay. We've got this argument about office space and, and, uh, real estate guys going in and get sticker shock on their loans and higher cap rates and all of that. That's, that bodes well, bodes for a recession. I still say a recession is not as bad as 2008, but it will keep the fear will keep the stocks down for a while. That's okay. 
you just sort through them and wait it out. Uh, there is a chance, kind of like 2020, that the Fed engineers a soft landing, and they're actually pulling it off so far, which is amazing. Um, and if they do, um, uh, because the banks that do right, you know, the soft landing has something to do with how they manage credit, right? So if they do, it's just like 2020. You buy a bunch of cheap banks, and then they go up in six to eight months, and you made a bunch of money. Well, that sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> uh, Dory, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> thank, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast and giving us your insights on the banking stocks and how to trade them in today's environment. Really appreciate your expertise uh, in this issue, which everybody's talking about right now. Uh, before we wrap up the, the show, I just have one final question for you, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, Dory, is... What is your favorite song to sing while driving with the windows down? Oh, wow. Isn't that great? You know, I used to be a DJ, so I love music. And I have about 11,000 records. So, wow, that's good. Ali, that's difficult. I'm probably going to drift back to some 80s alternative, uh, uh, something like... Uh, uh, you know, a Depeche Mode or New Order or something and sing one of those dance songs. Great you know? song. <laughs> uh, great, great, great band. Yeah, any, any of those. It could be, you know, uh, I don't know, Strange Love or Blue Monday or Bizarre Love Triangle, any, any of that stuff. I, those put me in a good mood. Thank you again to Dory Wiley for sharing your insights on bank stocks. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.